0: Hello
1: and welcome to Exiting Through the 2010s, a podcast about the movies from the 2010s. I'm Jack Draper. With me, uh, several years after your first book, it's Clay Williams.
2: 40 years, right? is it like 40 years or something? Mm-hmm. Man. Yeah. I don't, something like that, I yeah. I think about... It's 40, quite a, it's quite a long time. Right. I think about people yeah. writing books and, and I don't get it. Don't get it. <laughs> like, like, I just like <laughs> fundamentally don't understand mm-hmm. how someone could write a book. Um, yeah,
1: it's quite an undertaking. And I'll, I, it's something that I thought about, you know. Give, he gives Big Jim a run for his money, huh? <laughs> you know, and uh, and Todd Fields. You know, it's like, hey, forty years. That's way longer than they're like what?
2: Oh, I see 15, what you're saying. I see what you're saying. Fourteen years. Yes. Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, it's you know, Lin Rams, Yeah, like people who take a long time mm. to, like making a movie. Yeah, it is for yeah, it is, is, yeah. is crazy, and, cra- cra- and, and it is, still, it is like, still like I don't know. Watching the movie, watch I'm just like, where are, you, are where are you? Where's you, your where money? We're like, we're, we're, where like where where are you right? Pay? How are you getting income? Like I mean I know you work know for like work a, for a like, like, like you know you work for a paper, but it's like, but it's like how much are you getting paid you from that? You have like a really, really nice like penthouse mm. like apartment or whatever the fuck whatever the like, a like a loft, um, um and it's like, and it's like I, don't I don't know where you're. Anyway, but yeah no. When I think about I people think writing books, <laughs> especially like really big ones and full of research, like there's this one that I got my mom for Christmas. It's um. It's, about, it's like, about like modern modern, modern uh, conservatism, uh, conservatism um, and like and the, the it's the the called the Invisible Bridge. Invisible bridge. Uh, former, yeah, guest uh, former guest of the guest podcast, of the podcast um, um, Brad, Brad Avery suggested, suggested it to, to me. Mm. Um, um, it's by Rick, the great Brad Avery. Yes, it's about yeah, it's Rick. About Rick. Uh, I forget his last name. It uh, starts uh, last with last an R. But it's basically about like about, how like how modern conservatism started with Nixon and like the bridge that like the like the um the transition pe- uh, period or the uh, between like Nixon and Reagan and ideal and you know conservative ideology and how that changed over time and it's like this fucking, fucking thick ass thick-ass book with like so much, so much research, research and stuff and i just look at it and he's, he's written, written and that's like a, in a series of books and he's like written like four written or five of them and i'm, I'm just, just like, like i don't, I don't no. No. Uh, no, no, like, maybe that maybe takes me that five, years five years to write, to one, of write one of those, like, like it, it's because it's, like, so it's densely like researched so and so big, so I'm just big. like, I can't, I can't, I can't do that, do that. that's just not mm. me, I yeah. can't compromise. Especially if it's a
1: topic that you're learning about and not, like, you're consuming more knowledge of, I feel like it's just a big undertaking to, to, to like, consume and write about.
2: I just can't, yeah, I can't write, like, ten-page yeah. essays, essays make me want to, like, claw Claw, like my my fingers fingers off off. but it's overwhelming because it's like how
1: how do people like that's that's an essay but then like an actual like text like how do you just not keep on saying the same thing and make it feel redundant i don't it's yeah it's amazing but um before we go to rome uh today we're recording actually in rome uh you can't see us but you know just uh, take our word for it. for it. it it's very yeah just take our word yeah please we, we can't say any more than just to take our word for it. Uh, let's get into what we've been watching recently, because these are the questions, uh, you know, that that we're curious about when we're in Rome. <laughs> when in Rome? When in Rome? We what have been watching? watching?
2: I don't know. Exactly.
1: yeah. Um, yeah.
2: I will. I so it's been. It hasn't been too long since our last recording, and so I will say. I've watched, I've watched um, um, so after we so recorded Roxana, I know we're doing we know this we're doing kind this, of out of order. It's a little order. out of order. Yeah, yeah so, it's just so to confuse now. our audience, uh, I'm just gonna, uh, keep gonna be, be more confusing, confusing. Uh, uh, so I'm still uh, on my Denzel my project, Denzel project. So, um, so, watch Pelican Brief,
0: Pelican
2: good, good movie, uh, decent, uh, thriller, decent too thriller, too long, um, holy shit Julia Roberts, I mean, Roxana was right when I mentioned that the Bone Collectors might be the best that Angie's ever looked. She's like, Pelican Brief is up there with yeah, Julia. Brief. And I'm like, yeah. holy dear God. Um, and also Denzel, just. Um, um, one and more Denzel, but that's my. Alan Pakula too, like, proving he's still got it. Yeah, you know, I know. People, like, I saw people like think it's really boring, and I'm just like, I don't know, man. Like, this is, like. That's crazy. I don't know. This is still, like, it's a paranoid thriller. I don't. It did what it mm-hmm. needed what to do. It needed I'm, it's to not do. great it's or anything, great, but it, it's right. really, It's a fun watch. Um, um, and then, and then with, with the rest of the, the world, uh, of the world uh, on the 1st of January, January, I watched, I watched Strange, Strange Days. Days. A lot of us lot for of the, first of the first time, time since, since it has not been available, available to it's see. It's kind of buried. I know. Mm-hmm. I know. Mm-hmm. Watched that. Loved it. Fucking weird. We were getting live texts. I was, yeah, I, mean, I was yeah, sexting our group, group chat, and, and I do think, think that Bigelow, Bigelow and Cameron, and Cameron did, did an absurd, amount, absurd of amount of cocaine, making that movie. Mm. Just, like, just rails, like rails, just absolute just like, like, uh, fucking loving, Scarface, scarface levels, of levels of cocaine. Of cocaine. Just What's your it, performance
1: it, ranking of Julie uh, Lewis, Bassett, Fines?
2: <sighs> the thing is, no one besides no one Juliet, Juliet Lewis does two PJ Harvey covers. So that mm-hmm, has that to factor into my rankings. rankings. Um, um, no, no, I think no, I, mean, I mean Bassett's incredible Bassett's finds. finds
3: it's
2: like Bassett, like Bassett Lewis, finds Lewis, Lewis, but like yeah, they're all. They're all Lewis is Lewis so, so. I mean, I, mean, I, I, I it's, it's funny because Bassett's, funny cause Bassett's, a, Bassett's more, a more. It's not standard, not standard but, like, but it's it's a, a, like it's a like it's a performance, like performance that you could see her give like in other movies too. It's not like coked out fucking erratic Erratic, like like, completely she inserts
1: herself well into the movie
2: right right. but it's you know it's like angela bassett Bassett with like fines and lewis Lewis, it's like they're fucking man man. Uh, i i can't yeah i kept saying saying that they're like coke coke addicts throughout like it just that's just just what it read out read to me because they're just all just purely purely chaotic chaotic and erratic and obviously that's like on purpose purpose. that's not like a choice choice. like i mean well it is a choice but like it's not like it's not just just the performers having an interpretation interpretation. like that's an obvious choice because of the characters themselves um so watch that and uh then yesterday watched the great debaters continuing my denzel project
1: right Good movie, pretty, pretty solid movie. movie. Yeah, yeah. I, I I saw that
2: in high school. Yeah, it's cliche, um, but you know, it's like a, it's it's, d- a, it's decent. It's his mean, de- it's a it's debut. De- I I think it's a seven, it's a out, seven, out, of seven ten. Ten. out of ten. Yeah. Uh,
1: unfortunately,
2: uh, unfortunately it, it it does have does Nate have Parker, have Parker, Parker um in it, uh, yes. Yes. which is yes. uh you know you know a thing, a thing. Um, um, he's um, good. He's uh, unfortunately, um, and uh, who stood out to me, and I think who stands out to a lot of people when they watch it is um. Jurnee Smollett, Janice who, mm, she's incredible yeah. in it. She's really, really good. Um, Early
1: role, yeah, I think.
2: Yeah. I know, it's, it's kind of crazy. It took her so long after 2007 to, like, mm-hmm. blow up, because she's quite, I don't know, it seems like a slam dunk. Um, Denzel Whitaker, uh, I mean, also, like, you know, um, Forrest Whitaker and Denzel Whitaker, not related. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah.
1: It's, it's also, like, that and Black Panther. Yes, exactly, that's Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: yeah it's mm-hmm. so that's so funny they're not related it's bizarre um
1: yeah was that his directorial yeah. debut
2: or it was i think so i think so yeah i'm pretty sure um mm-hmm. i've only seen that I've in seen fences that i haven't, I haven't, haven't seen, seen... Mm. jordan yeah there's a letter to a Jor- jordan. journal for jordan journal for jordan, journal for jordan. Oh, you i um, got close um right, yeah that one's not real yeah. and uh what was the other one he did Antoine fisher that's yeah. right. Yeah, and I'm probably. Oh, antoine gonna, Fisher was before, was before Great to be. I'm antoine. probably gonna watch Antoine Fisher soon. Right. I haven't seen yeah. it. Yeah. Maybe mm-hmm. um, that's solid. Yeah. yeah. So then I'm it seems as, my as though all of his project. directorial
1: work is like seven out of ten. Right. It's not to say that they're like unworthy. It's just you know. Yeah, yeah you wish like, that there was either one, stin- yeah, yeah. Yeah. There yeah.
2: like yeah. one stinker. Yeah, you wish there would be at least like one stinker or one great movie great movie right. yeah you want something yeah, that, something has, that a has a little bit, little bit more of more impact from him because he's like mm-hmm. one of the most, the most influential, influential actors actor to ever live yeah so yeah,
1: yeah. and it's like he's huh? Like, it's I weird that he can't he get he over get that hump of making something, something like, like, like as, as great, great as he's learned, he's learned from like, like the frequent collaborators
2: um or just take and all of them are not wild swings that's the unfortunate part too yeah yeah they're just all like yeah yeah yeah, one's like yeah, an um, um, was it August, August Wilson? Wilson? Am I fucking stupid? Is that the yeah, yeah, playwright? Uh, fences. Yeah, um, um, and you know yeah, you have, other, have stuff other stuff that's stuff like you know he he has his Goodwill good hunting, good hunting, hunting, which is like which Antoine Fisher. I haven't like I seen it, but that's what it, it seems like for me. Like yeah. yeah. Um, um, and then and like, like, yeah, Grape Debaters, which is I don't know, it's fine, it's good. pg-13 like it's it's about the jim crow south South, has a uplifting uplifting ending ending. yeah it's it's, like based on on a
1: book i think yeah it's just
2: yeah Yeah, it was a little bit gnarlier than i thought it was gonna be just because when the moment you see that pg-13 you're just kind of like ah okay but no like they go they go for it um and i appreciate that and i didn't also i didn't know that like basically he was playing like a communist which i i was super i was super into i mean i i guess he never it's never confirmed like people accuse him of communism and he's never just kind of and he's never like i'm not a communist um i know it's based off a true story but i didn't know that part so that's that was kind of cool but yeah besides that hmm. Hmm. i don't know what my next denzel would be but I'll yeah
1: maybe you should maybe like i don't know maybe if you would like space out the directing work or if you just get out of the way because you only have two more well
2: fisher fisher is streaming and i'm prioritizing the streaming mm. stuff actually well funny okay. enough great uh, debaters okay. i bought it was like only five bucks so
1: interesting uh joining, uh, joining us today, today is free for ross hello hello yeah. welcome back
3: hi you guys such a pleasure to be back um talking about another great film from the 86th yeah, episodes, I was, yeah, so. exactly. exactly. Yeah, I, am. Back I love this niche
1: that you've carved of... out. Yeah,
3: Yeah, you guys talk about the 2010s, and to me, the Oscars of 2014 are the best of that decade. So I'm glad to be here Ooh. with another one. I love
1: that. What have um, you been watching yeah, lately? Before? Yeah. yeah I,
0: was
3: I had the best final week of the year watching Lies because I... So I spent the beginning of the month catching up on a lot of the films that I've missed throughout the year. And then when my brain couldn't take it anymore, I decided to revisit some comfort films. So I watched Face Off, which Mm. is truly cinematic peak of the 90s. Then I kept with Nicolas Cage, and I watched Con Air and The Rock. Um, Ruckheimer Specials. Oh, man, just so good. This 90s action flicks with Nicolas Cage and he was just going for it. I think Face Off is perhaps my top five Nicolas Cage performance. I just love how unhinged he is. Um, it's such a great film, it's so much fun, and the lines are just delicious. Um, <laughs> I hadn't seen The Rock, which is funny. because. Oh, wow. I, I thought I had gone through the vast majority. I only saw the Rock this year, rock
1: this year, year too. too. Oh my god!
3: Just... Honestly, there's a there's a point there where Nicolas Cage <laughs> asked this bad guy, "Do you like Elton John?" Because it's you, you're Rocket Man, and then he sent him flying well, off the window funny. with the literal yeah. rocket. Honestly, uh, I was just overjoyed. So I, exactly, absolutely.
1: and the, I think and that moment is like, was, like so, so late so into the movie where like. like
3: yeah, yeah, that makes this makes, makes sense. sense. Like, like
1: this, this isn't, isn't weird, weird or anything. It's just no. It, he it, likes music. Yeah,
3: <laughs> he collects vinyl. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, of course he's asking <laughs> like, like, this guy if he likes Elton John. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he's, he's
1: being, respectful being respectful and kind. And kind. You know, yeah. it's like it fits, it fits into the, it fits the world. world. It's, oh, it's, it's it's incredible. incredible. It like, that you, has, it has
2: all your favorite all character actors you could even think of. William Forsythe. If you want to count Ed Harris as a character actor, sure. I would definitely count.
3: And then another great line before we change, like. They, they literally because they're on the rock they are that's the whole thing and yeah, there's yeah. a point where like Sean Connery says well you're between the rock and a hard place which
1: mm. is The rock and then a live the studio way. audience yeah, uh, Seinfeld,
3: Seinfeld laugh, right, I mean,
1: right right
0: yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> it's like Curb jazz you know like, the jazz playing.
3: bass yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was so good I just love it. I love a good pun. I love a good play on words, especially when it's delivered by Sean Connery. Yeah, Jerry Bruckheimer,
2: man. I mean, goddamn, he was on one in the '90s and '80s. Jerry, like, cause he, you know, he has Scott. He has, um, he has, you know, some Tony Scott films. He has fucking Michael Bay. Like that dude was just fucking on it. And of course, like, he was the
1: first person to like see something in Bay after, like, the commercial and music mm-hmm. video work, to mm-hmm. then be like, you remind You're me of my like friend Tony Scott. And it's like, like, wow, like, you wouldn't think another producer would actually have that eye and, you know, would give him yeah. bad boys, right? It's like... God.
2: What happened to him? I mean, I know he's still I mean, doing he's stuff, but I miss that. that. Mm-hmm. I miss I miss the Brookheimers nowadays. It's all fucking Kevin yeah. Feige. So, you know, I'm just like, Ugh.
1: Right, right, right. And those, and those Cage movies that you saw, those are like, the ultimate, like... like they don't, they don't make, make those, those anymore and right. when they, they do, do it's, it's like, like the gray, gray man they're like wow oh, this no. is. Yeah. yeah right or, or i shouldn't generalize that much like i guess it's mm. like that's the most populist right it's like sort of the really one that gets, one that gets that makes... the most eyes i just
3: i just like that Sucks. combination of star power and mm-hmm. going for it and a script that doesn't try to be smart you have mm. these big stars with an action film that is entirely predictable and all you need is some banging one-liners. It's well Explosions. Yeah. Explosions. Mm-hmm. Cars driving to planes, planes driving to buildings, buildings falling down. That's what you want. And it works. And it's great. But and Face it's Off has everything. It's it has body horror. It has revenge. Right. It has... Character arc, they change bodies. It's a bit Freaky Friday. It's just so good. (laughs) I just love it.
2: And even like in the supposed like like even like quote unquote like you know the movies don't even don't even really try to be smart. Like The Rock, it still has like more interesting like subtext than like most like prestige films in the comparison to like fucking. <clears> uh, like, uh like uh you know military, military service, service being you know being you know, wanted or valued by um american uh, america as a country after you you know after you come home and what's the life of a soldier and what's the and how much value do we put on any one person that kind of thing like it's like even when it's not trying to be like super intellectual it still has like pretty you know gnarly and like compelling subtext of you know being it's a veteran in modern American culture.
3: Yeah, it's a very hard thing to do, to have a film that doesn't take itself entirely seriously while also not putting the audience in a place of dullness or dumbness. They are mm. not really judging mm. their audience or assuming that people won't get it. They're just in that sweet spot between being self-aware um, without being patronizing, which is really hard.
1: Definitely. Definitely. And like that. Clay brings up Kevin, Kevin Feige, Feige, and it's definitely so like the, the Marvel sense of humor, humor that, that then others, others have tried to recreate, because that's, that's what they sense other people will then gravitate to. to. It's, it's like, like uh, it's just, just completely, completely diminishing, like how, how sparing, sparing humor is used in those kind of films. Go uh, home and fuck the prom queen. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh, man. We didn't know how good we had it.
3: Well, I don't know uh, about Marvel. I know so little about Marvel, so I'll go with that. Yeah, no. <laughs>
1: uh, <laughs> For myself, I, I, think I think the show, the show is, is done, done or close, close to, to done. done. Uh, uh, it's one of my favorite shows, shows from, from last, last year, year uh, in I mean, Fleischman is in, in Trouble. Um, um, sort, sort of, of this, this, based, based on, on a book, for those that, that don't know it. Wait, wait, what's the
2: title?
1: Fleischman is in Trouble?
2: Oh,
1: boy. Um, um, it stars, stars Jesse Eisenberg, and Adam Brody, and Lizzie, Lizzie Kaplan and Claire Danes. Holy, uh, Holy shit. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, uh, it's and, a great quartet and, uh, and uh, focuses on the divorce, divorce between be Claire Danes and Jesse Eisenberg, Eisenberg when Eisenberg is trying, trying to um, take, care take care of his kids, kids and his career and as, a and as a doctor and navigating the, the Current dating, current dating landscape, landscape where it's like, like whoa an elder kind of millennial, millennial is figuring out dating apps, apps. Like, it's like that kind of humor that's like well done I think where it's like it, 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 it takes I don't know like it, it wasn't as um cringe as you would expect for something where it's where it's like someone who's a little older is trying to date again uh and then Eisenberg is also trying to reconnect with old college friends in Lizzie Kaplan and Adam Brody uh, uh, and it's also summer in New, New York City, and he's, he's trying to babysit his, his kids, kids full, full time, and it's very stressful those first, first few episodes. episodes. But then, and once you, you start, start to figure out, out that, that the co-parenting, co-parenting uh, in the midst of the divorce isn't, isn't working, working out well out between, between Claire, Claire Danes and Jesse and Eisenberg, Eisenberg, it gets it very, very stressful and
2: hijinks and ensue. Really hard to
1: watch hijinks ensue. But then you start to learn more about. How they, um, they got together, together, and, and there's, there's an episode that's, that's really, really, really great, great that focuses on so Lizzie Kaplan's uh, marriage. marriage. She was married, she was married to, to Josh Radner, is. who's actually she really good on the, kind of the show. show. Um, it's very. Like, I, I, there's there's some, some people that are saying like it doesn't need to be like a mini series. This could just be like it like a feature, and it could Which you know, it's like I don't think it gets redundant sometimes, but I don't think enough to make it like to make, to make it, it, it wrong, wrong to, to have it have be a series.
3: This is literally the first time I am hearing of this. Yeah,
2: first I, had no, yeah, I this had no suggested. idea this existed. Absolutely good. not. Yeah. yeah I mean,
1: it's very, it's good. very good. <laughs> yeah, 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 this, this is, is, like is the like weird, word of, weird, weird world of weird world of television where it's just like Yeah, it's you know, it's, you know, it's, it's based, based on a on book and the book was and it's I think it's also written by the author and it sort of has that similar voice. It's
3: like Sally Rooney for 40 year olds. Is that it? <laughs> That's what it sounds like? Think the New York City, friends. not
1: Ireland, but yes. Okay. Conversations
3: <laughs> with friends. Like. Conversations,
1: Conversations with Fleischmann, with
3: Fleischmann. Yes. yes. Yeah, good. Alright. I should check it out. Yeah.
0: yeah.
2: You would just think I with just this cast, with I would at least that. hear like it's a, like a like word, word about yeah. it. Yeah. I've yeah. I've just yeah. Yeah. never yeah. heard yeah. of yeah. this yeah. thing god yeah, no. tv is so TV fucking is so weird TV i do crazy I, I i i you know i i used to have all these like theories and ideas of like the state of television or whatever and then i see then i like see this, and like see this and i'm like i don't know man
1: i don't know i know yeah <laughs> i don't know i mean we spent like 45 minutes on the beginning of the counselor episode being like i don't know what to do anymore <laughs> like we like we are kind of broken and and i you know it's like reboot was, was one of my favorite, favorite sitcoms, sitcoms of last year because it's just like, like i'm in my in comfort, my comfort zone. zone like like, like this, this cast i know it's from it's a creator I know, I know like okay everything, everything is just like fine and i don't, and I don't need, need, need to, like, to like i don't know like, like this, this isn't, isn't a prestige, a prestige miniseries anymore. anymore it's it's good and that's and all i need there
2: you go that's all we need yeah i only watch Dad cinema now yeah you need to get
1: into yellowstone be like tyler
2: I guess that's my, guess that's next, my step next step into my step dadness dad. is watching Yellowstone. You know, my mom, my mom asked me, "Hey, asked do we have a hey, Paramount have a Plus Paramount account? account?" And I'm like, "Oh no!" And I'm like, "Why?" And she's like, "I want to watch Yellowstone." And I'm like, "This is a disease, is a disease that's, infecting that's infecting every person the over the age of, 60. Age of 60. Because mm-hmm. now You're they're start calling yeah, your, they're house,
1: your house your so ranch. I know, my God. I, and I
2: know yeah, it's, and like, it's like, I think it's because they've been promoting the Harrison Ford thing, which I still don't really know what it is. I think it's like a prequel of some kind um mm. and now it's just or, I don't fucking
1: know 83, 83 someone's, sure. you know I'm gonna it. yeah, um, it's
2: and now it's just like she saw that and it's like oh I need to watch Yellowstone and I'm like oh, well, why and she's like all oh, my friends love Yellowstone too and I'm like this is a disease it's an illness people are Yellowstone-pilled <laughs> just everyone, everyone over the, over the age of 60 age has, has, to, watch has to watch Yellowstone it's like it's very I don't know. Yeah, I, don't I mean I'm not like, like, I'm not like I have, maybe Yellowstone's good, I don't fucking know, but it's like it's just very it's funny just to me that Taylor Sheridan funny. has yeah. captured the hearts and minds of everyone very, over yeah. sixty. Yeah. In America. He's got my dad. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus. Okay. Whatever.
1: Uh, okay. Whatever. Or uh, you know, there's then there's like the counter programming mayor of Kingstown and Paramount Plus just like has him in a
0: Quando sono arrivato a Roma, a 26 anni, sono precipitato abbastanza presto in quello che si potrebbe definire il vortice della mondanità. Io non volevo essere semplicemente un mondano. Volevo diventare il re dei mondani.
1: And today we have uh, The Great Beauty by Paula Sorrentino in the middle of our Best International Features uh, Oscar winners. Uh, I think this is myself and Clay's first time seeing it.
0: Rifa, please take us away with your
1: first time.
3: I have watched this film for the first time in 2013 at the Rio Film Festival, at the exact same festival I saw film that we spoke about for the last time the broken circle breakdown um 2013 was such a rich year for cinema you had nebraska inside lewin davis her gravity before midnight the hunt the broken circle breakdown um all of these oscar-nominated films um, the hunt so good so yeah such a rich year and the first time i saw it, it was actually my first sorrentino and i remember being flabbergasted in the cinema and just uh, it's if you read about this film you will see words like vibrant and alive and it is it is one of those films that drips with energy that knows exactly what it's going to do that is so tightly written and even more beautifully shot it is the casting is impeccable, but you have Paolo Sorrentino reuniting with Tony Servillo who is his muse. The two work together very well, and this is the role that he was <laughs> born to play. He's a fantastic theatre actor. He's a, um, He is the best you can find in Italy, and it will see people comparing the great beauty to the great Italian directors and Fellini. Um, and even though comparisons become dull after a little while it is just meditated it's just this beautiful ode to Rome and to aging in a city that has aged and it's it's just a pinnacle of time it's just beautiful and yeah i think we will dig a little bit more into into the characteristics of the film itself but i i remember very vividly watching it for the first time and it's a film that has a fairly long run time but It just goes by, flashes by, it never stops, Mm. and music is great, and the rhythm is great. So it's a very good watch, and I've watched it a few more times ever since, and it's always a hoot. That was very good.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Have
3: you ever been to Rome? What?
2: Have you ever been to Rome?
3: Rome? No, never been to Rome. The only place in Italy I've been to is Venice. Mm. Um, I would love to go to Rome.
1: Is there a a a film festival festival there? (laughs) Mm. Me, me, me.
3: Yeah, it's funny because hmm. a couple of years ago I interviewed just, Tony Saverio yeah. in Venice, and it was truly one of the most oh insane gosh. experiences of my life. He was all dressed in white linen, that's so cool. of course. <laughs> now yeah. I'm like yeah. sunglasses, smoking a cigar in this tennis club. Um, yeah. Now what I, I want to do
1: is like a make like a list, list of people in the, the films, films that we've covered, covered and guests that, that have talked talk to them, or anyone, or anyone that's that talked talk to them. And, and like, and, and like you talking, talking to Sorvino, must be like the first that have come to mind. I want to yeah. now,
2: I want to now imagine doing what you're doing, Jack, but instead imagining which one of them would be wearing white linen as I interviewed them, because <laughs> I think the list would be longer than we think. Um. He has
3: such a presence, though. He's just <laughs> one of those guys who has always has an entourage. <laughs> it's just. Always surrounded by people and always talking, commanding a room. Um and comes across on the screen and yeah, he's great.
2: When you saw him in white linen when you see him when you saw him in white linen smoking a cigar in a tennis club in Venice, Italy, did you just tell yourself, Wake up? Yeah like, wake I up.
3: Just, I thought it was in a fever dream. That's so I funny. just I forgot i was gonna ask i was just people are so cliches
2: it's i love it i love it i love how it like sometimes people are doing exactly what you think they're doing like it's not like some fucking crazy like um you know juke move of just like no i'm actually you know drinking a nice tea wearing a sweater or whatever no i'm dressed in white linen at a tennis club smoking a cigar probably with some red wine right next to him that's so. To funny. be
3: fair, it was um, right at the heart of the biggest festival in his country, and he had two films in there, so he was in high demand and excited and True. To tons of people. So yeah, good. Wha- Lenin's good.
2: Love it. That's so funny. What was um, so you when sh- you were coming out of the theater what, after seeing it for the first time? What was like? What was the vibe? Like, what did other people I was think just about to
3: ask this. I hate this. Oh I know. <laughs> it's it's funny because I saw this film very early in the morning. Um, mm. And I just remember people being a, a mix of ecstasy and melancholy. Because it's a film that I was saying it's a hoot and it's, it's great to watch and re-watch. But at the same time it taps so beautifully into this existential notion of that moment when we realize that we have more behind (laughs) us than we have ahead of us Um, and you just start reminiscing on the good old years and and the good times and how they have shaped the person that you are, even those that you believe that have been entirely forgotten, all those little memories and little pieces of existence that turn you into you. So I think that the atmosphere was a bit I was fairly young, so I was more um, thrilled with excitement of cinema and right. You were a great yeah, film yeah. right. But I could see the people who were on the other end of the spectrum, they were just moved and um, it, it spoke to them in a different level than it spoke to me at the time 10 years ago. And, and every year, if I watch it, if I'm older, I think I see it in a different light. It's a little bit like reading The Little Prince, which I do every few years, and you just um, get new things out of it. Yeah. Yeah, those, yeah,
1: are, those cool are cool where cool it's like, yeah, it does age, age with you. you. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, it, it, it's, it's it's not even, even like, like you, 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 you look, look at the character, like char- I mean, I think maybe even this one, if it, it applies, applies. I, 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 I wouldn't, wouldn't look, look, look at the characters differently, but it's more like I would look at what they're, how they see the world, differently i think think that's like the the, how the how some some art art will age with you that uh you know it's it's just just your judgment judgment, um from 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 when you were younger it's like how how can can and you you may may not even realize that when you're older older, it's just more like a revisit revisit that that isn't isn't even sparked by wanting to change your judgment of the characters um but and it's and yeah you bring up like how the the length uh, of the, the film, film just kind of like kinda let, let Sorrentino ruminate, ruminate in contemporary Rome and and, and let Sorrentino just just, just, just like sort of like pontificate on his placement, placement in the world, the world. And, and, and it's like it's the structure is not really, to, really like to like find, find... It's, not it's not to it's to... not like it's it's not not unusual because like it's, it's, it's kind of like vignetti it doesn't it's like he's just like very vignetti people around him and the ensemble. It, it plays, it plays a, role, a role, but it's not, like, sprawling. Like sprawling. It, feels it feels very contained, um, which is which why, why like, like, my big my takeaway, takeaway, like, a, a few days, days after, after I saw, I saw it, it uh, uh, it's, kind it's kind of like, kind like of a, a, <laughs> a... Okay, okay for, but, you, know, you know, if this, if makes, this makes, makes no sense, sense, sense please, tell, please me. tell me. It's kind of like a COVID movie, how it's, like, you know, we take this time to, like... It feels like one location, almost, or, like, very few locations. It's about, like, our legacy and our time in the world, and, like, people are given, like... One, one place to like, like ruminate like, on on ourselves uh, uh like, like our our, our effects, effects and aging and it's, it's like, like sort, sort of like, like time, time stops, stops a little, little bit, bit. Like, if, if that, that, makes, that makes sense i kind I of no, I I know i kind of see because
2: there is you know, no events that happen and it's like there's really. a halt
1: on creative uh passion i don't know but it's, it's sort of a, like like and it, it, it's an, it was another way that I looked at it, as aside from just this mood piece.
2: Well, I think I kind of well, see what you're meaning mean when, when it when it like time in flux, like there, it feels like no time has passed, but like mm-hmm. or you have really no idea. It feels like it could have been a year or five, or like a week. It doesn't like there's no real time stamp on it. It feels so. Which
1: is why I, I kind of like that, because it's like that's a feeling yeah. yeah. of like, right. like oh this this sort of like. Like, like we, we, are, we are, or at or least, at least um, Jeff Jesus is going through this, through this meditation, meditation of realizing, realizing he is he mortal is and, and that there, there is, such, is limited such limited time, time but Rome, Rome is so, so old <laughs> so <laughs> and, like, is and going to last him, outlast him, outlast him, forever. him forever, and it's and just, just like, like oh, like, that's just, just such a, a dawning realization. realization. Um, um, and, of and course, like, someone like this is not going to take those feelings out in a way where it's, like, productive. Mm. it's
3: interesting that you're saying this looks like a COVID film because this film revolves very much around the idea of jeb gambardella Mm. as a mother of right um i'm pronouncing this poorly but um please let me know if i'm being condescending but do you know what a flaneur is it's it's this concept um uh created by charles baudelaire and then brought into academia by walter benjamin of this person who walks around the city observing the society. He's just a walker, he's a wanderer. Mm. And mm. he's very much this idea of the modern And There's a quote, I even put it aside because I love it. I read this book by um, Federico Classiano called Flaneur, The Art of Wandering the Streets of Paris. And he, um, and he said, free and alone in the maze of the city, the Flaneur craves a revelation that might change his life and destiny. And it's true. It, you just have this man who is walking roads that he has walked before and seen people that he has seen before and living a life that he has lived before and yet you have this expectation that at a certain moment something's going to come along and maybe change that and maybe bring him to somewhere different. And, and also it's you have a, a character that is very much self-absorbed and um, at the same time it's he is self-absorbed and he's speaking by himself because you're seeing the city and society and things around him through his eyes and it's the the whole um, ethos in, of the film. So, yeah, it's interesting that this is a COVID film because during COVID, we were walking and wandering through empty streets. It's, it's very much this idea of the, the wanderer. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, it's also, it was a time for, or speaking, you know, COVID, everyone handled COVID differently, but... It was a time of self-reflection for myself um, because you know you're alone or you ha- you're more limited to what you can do and so th- sometimes you're just home alone looking up at the ceiling and just like who the fuck am I, um, and I feel like that was a shared experience a lot of us had was this time of just trying to take stock, take inventory if you will of just like. Just everything, everything in your mind, like kind of explore. Like, okay, what do I want out of life? What do I expect? What do I think will happen? What can I do? How do I feel about where my life is right now? Um, Yeah,
1: it's it's sort of like in that way. um, It reminds me of the Banshees of Inishirin. Have we Mm -hmm. all seen? We've. I'm
2: not. It's on HBO Max. I know. I need to watch. Yes. Um, uh,
1: one of the great movies last year and it's all it also like reveals itself to to have that um uh complexity and and i also thought of covid with with that movie because it's just like also one location like small cast where it's like it doesn't clearly like it's it clearly doesn't mention it but it's just like subtextually like the same thing about um in the limited time that we have like how much meaning can we make out of our lives and who will truly remember us um uh, and, and the Brendan Gleeson character and and the Sorvino character in here are similar in the way that they've um, that they haven't valued art in the way that they should, moving forward. But yeah, yeah.
3: Yeah, I also think that you're saying is a moment of reflection on your life and what you have ahead. But to him, he's in a moment of reflecting on what he has lived, which right, is right. um a very powerful exercise to understand the choices that you have made and to try and come to a certain peace because I think it's very related to the human existence to constantly regret things that we have done and to wonder how they would have looked like have we not made that choice or had we not met that person and it can drive someone insane and it's much more it's much easier to live in abundance and parties and a, an eternal bacchanal than it is to sit down and confront the choices that you have made and that time is passing. Yeah, it, it's it's beautiful. There's this. There's a lot of really great lines in this film, but I think my favorite, every time I go back to it, is when Jepp meets Stefania, who he trashes in that party. Mm. He he does it with such resolve, and he meets her a few months later, and he asks her if they ever had sex. And she's like, oh my God, no. And he looks at her, and he's like, ah, thank God, we still have something nice to do together. Hmm. And it's lovely, Hmm. it's when you're realizing that even though you have gone through through so much with someone in real life, there's still things to look forward to, and there's still moments that you have not lived. Yeah, I love that.
2: It is, that romanticism is something that I really do appreciate about the film, and those are the moments it, like, shines for me. The idea, you know, those, like, the sentimentality. um, I appreciate that much more uh, than rather, like, the existential crisis moments or the... Yeah, I, I think what I struggle with the film is the... Pretty much a lot of the stuff post-Ramona dying, um, it kind of... She was kind of like my main draw into the film when she appeared, and their relationship together was the thing that kind of made the movie for me, to be honest, because I felt it was such a unique way to clash different perspectives together and have Jep really... Kind of marinate on the idea of youth and how he interacts with that youth and how it can become something more special and spiritual than like physical. Like, I don't even know, I don't think they have sex. Um, like, oh, they, they do, just, they, just... they do well, have sex. Well, well, at the end, so at it, the like, end, they end said, like they said, or at least, or it, at sounds least like, it sounds like. I remember like one of the lines being, I'm so glad we didn't make love. love. We just like slept.
3: I think yeah, at that time they they did they did spend some time together, the two of them. Yeah. But I but I also think that like she's an interesting character but it's one of those things that in the film she's very much there as a secondary plot to lead Jeff to something else. And as that, it's a very clever one. And at first you're instantly judging this woman who is slightly older and does not leave the strip club, who is very clearly into plastic surgery and Botox. And then you're slapped in the face with knowing that she had an incurable disease and she knew she was destined to die, so why not? indulge and, and live your life the way you want to live instead of pretending that there's something better around the corner or plans to live or a future to concentrate on. So, yeah, it, it is a figure of complacency at the same time. It, it, this parallel of um, exaggeration and complacency is very beautifully.
1: Mm. Yeah, it is interesting because, like, the indulgency and... Destiny are so different, but yet they are on parallel tracks. Um, That if we if we realize that, or if we realize, or if Jeb were to realize that his life is so short and he he may not have the creative aspirations or spirit that he did have in his twenties, and now is just like, oh well, you know, I can write about write about a novel about nothing or or what is that that he says, And, and it's just like. Then you might as you may as well indulge if you're just gonna be having these ideas where you can't even impress your your peers when even though you're you're working for this newspaper. Um, yeah, it's 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 interesting because it's like those ideas you wouldn't think would initially pair pair together, right?
2: Well, it's also that he's so much more cynical um, than she is. I mean, the moment mm, when right, 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 when that um, little girl is crying while making her painting. You know, splashing paint against that tarp. Um, she walks away saying, I couldn't really watch that. She was crying. And Jeff's immediate reaction is, Don't worry. She's going to be making millions. Um, and I don't know. That was, that dynamic kind of was electrifying to me because it felt so. Yes, they were like of kind of the same ilk of that kind of trying to appreciate life. But I think he, um, he's been beat down by it so much, and he's lacked appreciation of it, which is why I think he draws, you know, he, um, he feels so connected to her because she has, you know, she, she hasn't lived his life and has appreciation for the things that, like, that are present in his life, the parties, the, you know, the random strangers, the dinners, has a little more, you know, it's a little more appreciative because she has also limited time. And I think the moment, I don't know, when it starts getting into the religious stuff, it starts to lose me because it feels so, I don't know, it feels kind of tacked on, to be honest, because I just feel, hmm. and maybe that's just me because I just, I just don't really connect with it. Um, and not necessarily because of my religious background, but just because it feels so... It feels so different from what else Jep is struggling with,
1: that it's like its religious beliefs come out of not nowhere, but it's it's just more like this isn't connecting with like the uh, the passion of creativity and the romantic partner stuff. Um, Do you it just think feels, so? Just,
3: just, yeah. Oh, I think it's the opposite. I think I think religion is um, for the benefit of the old most of the time. I think that like I. I remember very vividly, I I was very much a cynical teenager and a cynical young person who would probably say, Oh, I don't believe in God and I don't have religion and all that. But I find that with each year and with more I go on and with more people I meet, I find the idea of religion very comforting. I I saw my grandmother on her deathbed and she had this peace when she realized that she was going to be reunited with God. And and there's this, there's this. Comfort that religion brings you, and towards the end of life, when you know you're and he's only 65, mind you. Whenever I think about this, I'm like, my duty is to have a, quite a few good years. But, um, I think about you trying to find something that comes after your life, and I think it's a very natural reaction. And I think people who are creative tend to be people who um are interested in culture and therefore read and are they have the tendency to intellectual wanderings and therefore are not that interested in religion and it's something that comes later in life i thought mm. it was a very natural progression of his existential crisis to look for meaning somewhere he hadn't looked before yeah i, yeah. I, I, I
2: I agree. It's natural. Um, it, like, made sense. I wasn't surprised by it. But, I mean, I, I was... I guess I was maybe more surprised of how much of a focus became it, like, how it became, like, the main plot. But even then, it wasn't necessarily... It felt out of nowhere. It just... As it was going on, I just felt... It kind of just felt stale to me, I'll be honest. Like, it just... It, feels very redundant i i I don't know i i was never the you know the exploration into his spirituality or religious background just felt very like redundant in a way because i'm like yeah okay i get it like it, it it never i never felt like it turned page or gave me a new idea into who he is it just felt like a like it was a natural progression it was something that made sense but i just and it
1: does give him purpose yeah
2: too. and i but i just never it never really maybe it just didn't connect with me but i just it, it at some point i just was just kind of turned off by it because of how it felt so it almost felt too natural if that makes any sense it almost felt mm. too, it made almost too much sense because then it just felt like it felt like it wrote itself like yes he now Mm. kind of struggles with religion and he struggles with his own mortality and he struggles with you know how what what does how does spirituality take um take part into my last years of my life like it almost was too predictable where i can't i kind of came away with just like yeah no he's religious now I, i get it like and he and he's questioning you know what what does that have what 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 part does that play in the latter half of his life um and i just it just for me i just couldn't really get into it because it felt so um i don't know it it just it it felt like the obvious thing to do and yeah i don't know maybe that's just i
1: guess like we we don't want to write rewrite the movie that we want instead of the movie that we have but i guess it it would also make sense if like it was a devout um he was devout into the uh religion but then was then questioning like these beliefs like later in life when he's then just spending this time aimlessly without many projects and and all of his peers are then passing him by but then it's just like oh all I have is my Christianity and is then struggling with that but then it's just not much struggle it's just sort of like presented.
2: Well, it's not even that I wish it was different, or I don't know. I just wish, like, it's just because it becomes so much more secluded. Like, he becomes so much more alone. Like, you you know, the characters start... And I don't understand that's happening in his life and that there's a point to it, but I start losing interest because there's no real interesting character dynamics left. I mean, besides, like, the nun, I guess. But, you know, I, I, I start getting really the priest um or like the cardinal and the person and like the nun's caretaker start kind of becoming a, becoming a, bit, a annoying bit annoying to me uh, oh my god
3: clay uh, i want to shake it to the screen like, yeah, I know. are we I watching know. this same thing i know
2: i don't know i just i, 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 get, just, I, get, I get i i like the I nun like the i like her nun, character. I like um, character um i just get i just start getting just start really, getting really i don't know i don't know i i, I start, I, I start kind like of losing, losing interest the moment that, the moment you, know, that you know like, all, like all of his friends and, and compatriots, compatriots start, start losing any, any plot any focus, plot or, focus or, or have or have any or have, or have any um, um connection to connection his, life, to his anymore. life anymore like, like the, moment the moment with, with um uh, stefania? stefania is that her is that name, her name? Mm-hmm. Steph- yeah that's mm-hmm. like yeah, that's that's I don't know that's the know, parts that's of the, the parts movie that make, that make it for me, me that that make me that engaged, engaged, engaged and interested. And interested. But, then, but then, when it becomes, when this, becomes more of this more isolated questioning of his own religion, religion, I just start I like just I start, like, start, I my start watch, checking my watch, to be honest, because you know, I just, I, it, just I, it just feels it just so feels perfunctory. perfunctory. Oh. I know. I wish I liked this more. I love like I think like because it has moments that I truly love. I think all of the party scenes. It's a long movie. I'll, I think I, the, you need
3: I, to watch you. You need to watch Loro. Loro mm. is the film that he mm. done with Tony Servillo right after it, and mm. Mm. is um, Tony Servillo plays Berlusconi, and the film is just um, out of his almost three hour runtime, eighty percent is parties. It's very much that. It's very of much beginning. like the, the, the maximalist sequences in yeah, yes. awesome That sounds fucking cool, awesome. and cool. remixes. Oh, that and sounds Reacher, awesome. And like pools and infinity pools and young girls doing topless and cocaine. Um, it is cocaine, a great film. Say, I, I, really, yeah. mm. <laughs> I really do like it. I think Tony Servillo is once again great. I think it's a film that, when in, in and out, with, without people giving it its due. What's it called Um, again? What's it called again? Loro. L-O-R-O. It's basically the Italian word for entourage.
0: Mm. And it revolves around the
3: people around Berlusconi. So good. It's very much like the the great beauty without so much of the existential ruminations. Not to be, um, yeah, not to just simplify it too much, but yeah.
1: Is this your favorite from from Sorrentino?
3: The Beauty is my favorite for Sorrentino, but I think Lodo um, is up there, top five. Mm.
2: How, 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 how familiar how are, are, are you with Italian culture, with Italian culture um, in general? Um, just because, I mean, I maybe mean, it's just because of your experience with Italian, Italian cinema, cinema but just, just the way you speak way about, you speak it, about it, it feels like, feels like, like, like you a have, have a, a lot of context there.
3: No. I know Italian culture through cinema and a little bit through football, perhaps. um Um, what what what, how much how like how
2: how in depth is your um experience experience with italian cinema like like, how much like how do you feel like it's one of the more the places places you you come come to to more more when you're watching film film?
3: i think i have many more gaps than i wish i Mm. did Mm. i have gone through you can say that about any
2: place i feel like you can say we all have gaps
3: yeah but i think with italian cinema more so because it is a cinema that i love and that i haven't dedicated as much time as i as i should i have watched a lot of when you're talking about classic cinema i have watched a lot of japanese cinema french mm-hmm, cinema mm-hmm. latin american cinema quite obviously um american cinema quite obviously but not as many italian films that i feel as i feel like i should have watched but some of my favorite films of all time are Italian, and some of my favorite literature of all time is Italian. Right, so right. So perhaps that's it. Um, and I think, out of all the classic European countries, cinema-wise, Italy is where I find most resemblance to to my world, my cultural worldview. Mm-hmm. As someone who is Latin, the warmth and family dynamics um, is where I find myself most at home watching interesting so perhaps that comes from it yeah yeah that's awesome, that's
2: awesome. okay but
3: okay. i do love it i feel i've watched because i've been going to the venice film festival it's my favorite festival um i always go and watch the, the italian films the new italian films and the new italian directors and there's so much wealth over there so yeah
0: what's do why is
2: you it your favorite f- uh, uh, film, f- uh, uh, film festival
3: oh you're gonna get me talk about venice I love Ven I, I, first of all, this is a very niche information but basically Venice has this thing that is so good for someone who is desperately anxious as I am, is embargo times are much more relaxed. So basically Oh,
2: that makes sense. Uh, yes.
3: You have like a film a screen a press screening at eight thirty right. AM. And your embargo is only when the first public screening happens. And this is around, the earliest that will be is like eight hours after you've seen it. So you can sit in the press room, uh, which is beautiful, overlooking the, the Tallinn Sea, and just right away, in Cannes, for example, embargo is right after you leave the room. And I get so nervous and I have no peace. Um, and, and Venice is beautiful And we have a, We take a boat Every morning At like 7am To go watch films And The sun is rising And I know I'm on my way Towards something That mm. I'll probably Remember forever And I'm very romantic About Venice Food's great, <laughs> It's beautiful well, The screening well, rooms Are beautiful It's grey uh,
2: Anytime I've talked To people Who've been to Venice Or Italy in general I mean You know And, and I guess It's the same You know With France But you know It's truly like the most romantic places in the world. Um, mm-hmm.
3: um, it's so gorgeous, and you it go makes sense why those, places,
1: why those are places are, are, are hosting, hosting festivals. Yeah, right, right. right. and
3: and you go to the little. Street. I remember the first time I've been in Venice, and my first film, my first Venice film festival, was just a couple of years ago. And um, because I moved to Europe just a few years ago, and I couldn't do this when I lived in Brazil, obviously because it's so expensive. It's still expensive from here, but <laughs> way less expensive. Right, And right. I was just walking around these streets around 6.30 a.m., and the sun is kissing those houses that are made out of something that looks like clay. There's a name I never remember. but There's this orange here, and the sun is making even more orange. And you're seeing the cracks, and you're wondering who has lived there, who had raised their babies there, mm. who has fallen in and out of love, and um and just yeah it's beautiful i'm I'm very romantic about the history of places and history of buildings mm. and lives lived so, yeah i get very romantic do you think that you think
1: that since going to going venice, to venice it's, it's given you, a, you ba- a, great, a greater appreciation of, appreciation of the great beauty? Of great
3: beauty well yeah but i think To me, Italy is very cinematic. You watch something in Rome and you fall in love with Rome and you watch something contemporary, watch Call Me By Your Name and you want Mm. to drop Mm. everything and go live in a tiny little Italian city um, that has two cafes and a little bodega. And (laughs) it's just easy to fall in love with a place like Italy. And yeah, I think this is why it renders itself to such beautiful cinematic portrayals of aging and, and coming of age and then t- later in life because you're just walking and wandering and you're putting yourself against this massive tangible proof that time goes by and yeah
2: yeah it's a... <sighs> no i wanted to hear as yeah. much as much as possible that's why i asked because i i mean because it, it's it does change your appreciation of you know once because as someone who has had very limited experiences with you know other countries i've only been to i've only stayed on like the same continent i've never i've never left i've never gone i've never been to europe i've never been to um asia or africa or it's just it's and as far as in the, as far as the, the most south I've gone is Mexico. So it's it's very interesting because, you know, a lot of people more world or more traveled than I am. So when hearing their experiences with another culture and then watching, you know, or experiencing any kind of art from that culture can really take on a new meaning and. Um, or it may not even necessarily a new meaning, but just gives you kind of a maybe there's a little more broad context. So I always like to ask those questions because I think it's important when discussing, mm-hmm. you know, your feelings on a piece of art that comes from a culture that you, you know, you've at least had some immersion in, even if it's very limited.
3: Yeah, I I feel very lucky that I get to go to festivals now. Um, this was my dream, but I was also raised in a small rural town Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. in Brazil without much access to even the idea of traveling the world. I think cinema has considerably widened my horizons. Mm -hmm. I started traveling as an adult um, after I moved here. I also didn't have that much touch with Europe and European culture before I moved here. And I feel very lucky that I get to do so. And I also feel very lucky that I have at some point in my life fallen in love with films because otherwise so much that I know now and that I am very grateful for knowing I would have never come in touch with. It has made me more empathetic and more open and more curious and more vulnerable. And I think it's beautiful to watch a film like The Great Beauty and to feel moved by someone else's existence even fictional you know, because mm-hmm. you just you connect with things that are basic, they're human and you find the commonalities and, and this is where it gets you.
2: The world yeah, I've always I always try to tell people just watch more international cinema. And as someone who is like compared to others have watched like a like a fucking fraction of what other people watched when it comes to like movies from other countries. But like anytime I watch an action film from like Hong Kong, or from Korea, um, or from like Indonesia, it's like the world feels so much bigger. So much bigger. i like, you know, I watched uh, an action movie that took place in Spain not so long ago. I think Extreme on Netflix, Finex. Um, and, you know, there's French films like uh, Point Blank, which is an action thriller that. I think gives like, it, you know, of course there's plenty of French films to watch, but it has, you know, it's more modern and also has kind of a different side of France that makes the world feel also bigger. Or A Belgian film, like Lost Bullet, the first two bel- Lost bullets that are on Netflix that are also, it just, everything feels like that's when, and that's the thing you just like learn about niche shit too. Like I learned about like, you know, there's in like uh, Europe and especially like in like, belgium and stuff or i don't know especially in belgium but the idea of like drug smuggling is just taking it like a, a really fast car and driving it across countries uh and like how it's a very kind of it's said so i i had to, it took me a little while to understand that concept but things like that you just get more of a broader context of things but you also you know, the world... It, it's kind of crazy, though, because just once you watch done watching that, you're just like, yeah, that place exists somewhere. I mean, I'm very far away from it, but, like, I could, like, fly there and, like, be there. But it's, like, some... Mm-hmm. It, it, definitely, it definitely takes place on this Earth, on this planet. Yeah. And to feel that and to feel connected to that is... I don't know. It's a It's a pretty great feeling that I wish more people would be open to, like, experiencing.
1: Yeah, and not to be, like, the magic of, like... With cinema, but like you know, it's please definitely do. The... <laughs> this is about the
3: magic of cinema. <laughs>
1: it's about, it's romantic, about romantic qualities. Yeah. Goddamn it! Yeah. I mean, the great, the great beauty
2: is about is appreciating art and how that connects connects with all of us. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yes,
2: yes, yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's
1: true. But, it, but you know, you and, like, I, guess and I guess it's, it's like, like it brings like us together, makes us feel closer, right? Like it's um. Yeah, I guess that's that's the touristy quality with international cinema as well that you you can feel like oh wow that's that's like how closely i can relate to what's happening in italy but that's literally so far away but that yeah like like rafa was saying that the that there is shared experience um especially with um how much he's ruminating on on like our in our relationship to each other and how little time we have but but even even at at like we're so much younger than Jep is right it's like it's like we can still we can still see what he's going through i think it, it i think it that sorrentino does a pretty good job at, at making it accessible in, in that way um even when he's like like because one of my favorite uh filmmakers is antonioni and sort of like in similar like things like that where it's like Wow, like you were so ahead of your time, but still, like these mood, these like very contemplative mood pieces, um, like they can have such longevity because they they're very specific but broad at the same time.
3: And it's also not only about seeing places that you can go to, which is always wonderful, but. Also about understanding how dynamics between people change depending on where you're from or your culture or the things that mean to people. Or, um, I, I love something that it's such a niche little thing, but something I love when I'm watching films from different countries is where people have breakfast. Mm. I love seeing what people have for breakfast <laughs> in different mm. countries. And I'm just curious about these little things that when you're growing up and when you're becoming a person in this world you just assume that this is it and then it comes a point in your life and you become curious and you become aware that there's an entire world of people who do it in a different way and they believe that this is the way and all these different regionalities and yeah. I'm fascinated by it. But as I said, I could sit here and do a full Nicole Kidman AMC commercial (laughs) and going like, heartbreak feels good in a place like this. Because I think it does. (laughs) I am still, even though I've been in some trenches, um, I'm still very romantic about cinema and very grateful to cinema. Mm. So, yeah. And a film like this does make me even more grateful for it. I,
1: I think... You know, I wonder how *The Great Beauty* would be different or indifferent if it were about a filmmaker and not a novelist.
0: Hmm. Huh.
3: Have I you seen the you know, eight, us... eight and a Half*? No, I'm just.
1: Kidding. <laughs> right, right, right. I yeah, a great no, Italian yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which I'm, I, I'm very. Um, uh, I have a lot of Fellini blind spots, but no, I, I mean, I know that's like a, a big like movies about movies. Um, well, isn't that
2: um, what we're getting now? Right. I mean, not, not, it's not the exact same way, but I mean, it does like, you know, there is obviously a new, maybe not a new trend, but a trend that has come to light of, you mm-hmm. know, Fableman's, um, what was the Mendes film that everyone hated? Empire of, of Light. Yeah. yeah. What's the third? What was the third was one? About Ma- yeah, Babylon. Yeah, Babylon. Um, isn't there another one that's like about a filmmaker explicitly? I don't remember. Um, but I think people would say
1: Armageddon Time, but I don't. I would disagree. I think that it's about other things. Yeah.
2: Uh, um. You know, and obviously there's much more. You know, you know, people have been making movies. And then there's
1: Belfast and... That's, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. And there's, you know, people who've been making movies about movies since movies and, were ever being made. Yeah. So, it, like, you know, and Selling I Paradiso, you know, all this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So, it, it it's definitely not new, but it is interesting mm-hmm. how... Like, is beautiful. Right, right. And we keep coming back to this. Again, with Italy. right? Yeah, we keep... it, we, But we do keep coming back to... And to connect it, it to the great beauty. It's like... Mm-hmm the struggle of an artist the you know are us contemplating our own our, our our art but our the point of even making art like the connection it has
0: mm.
3: I, I also think with literature it comes from such an elit- elitist idea mm. because literature is an art for the elite still um, i'm saying this is a Big statement, and of course, there's mm-hmm. democratization mm-hmm. over the last few years. But it's mm-hmm. still seen mm-hmm. if you publish a book and if you um, care about criticism, if you if you call yourself an author and you say you're writing literature, literature has such a, a weight to it, and it's what you see when you see people who are moneyed and they want to not only have the money but they want the prestige. They are either going to plastic arts, they are to become a painter or they become a writer. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think it also comes from this idea of Sorrentino wanting to investigate and to poke and prod at this um, hypocrisy of being cultured and having access to culture and then believing that this will lead you to somehow um, produce something that is meaningful. Not everyone, and, and I feel like even if you write at a level that we Right here if you write journalism if you're writing um any sort of pieces you put yourself out there to be judged and to judge your talent and to judge your abilities and it is an excruciating process because you either go into a, a pit of self-doubt and mm-hmm, imposter mm-hmm. syndrome or you have to just gurgle in self-aggrandizing and believe that you are great I don't think I have met a single person who has managed to find a balance <laughs> between the two. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. this investigation is really interesting because you have Stefania, who is on the self-aggrandizing pole of it, and then you have Jack, who is very much the opposite, who's like, I don't think my book's great. I have not written all the books because of it. Um, and yeah, it's so interesting, um, this idea of the writers and their self-pity and self-aggrandizing.
1: And I wonder if the, there's any more connection with with that idea, Kwei's um, idea of of this modern trend of of we're seeing like a generation of filmmakers realizing that their own lives can make just as valuable of a story. Um, it, and, and also, it's like their the reflection of their childhoods, where it's like that's the most formative time for for their self discovery into into film or just art and creativity in general.
3: With something like The Fablemans, mm. Spielberg has dedicated his whole life to making films, and he loves films. And as Jeb Gabrandella, he's someone who stopped and thought, I have right, more right. Um, behind me than I have ahead of me. Right, and you right. get to the point of contemplation when you're like, you know what? Cinema rules, and <laughs> I've been... Um, not so much tiptoeing around my dad and my parents' divorce and everything that has that. the entirety of still Spielberg's filmography um very much surrounds around a faithful divorce. But now mm-hmm. it's like mm-hmm. I have come to a point in my life of a certain maturity and that allows me not only to tell my story but to not give right. a damn right. about how how this gonna um just come out and I think it's lovely. I think it's it's the natural product of this moment of reflection.
1: Because one of the most haunting shots of the film is like, is when you get to the sequence of the divorce and you see Sammy seeing the reflection, how we would film that conversation, uh in that in the mirror, and and it's just like basically he's saying, I I, I can't separate the two now, like their life's a movie, <laughs> life's a, I mean it's kind of like I I need I I need to think about where I would put the camera, right, um. I mean, I, you know, it's like, I don't know if Jeff would have the same, the same. Uh, no, you're decision. not even sure if he'll
2: write again. Yeah. Right. You're not I, even. No, exactly. Right. Yeah.
1: He was just sort of like internal. This is a very internal movie about mm. like him internalizing everything. And, you know, I think that's not a, I don't know what to say about that. It's not really like a, it's, it's not a uh, um a compliment or, or a criticism. It's just more like, it's, it, it's not, I, I kind of expected this to be melodramatic because I've heard people call Sorrentino melodramatic but this is just more of a mood piece about someone uh who's who, who yeah is uh is meditative about about where he is and I, it's interesting that it takes so long for him to realize like oh I just like my whole life has had meaning if even if I hadn't realized it
3: very differently from Sammy Fableman Jeff <laughs> Gombardella's life does not revolve around writing. He mm. does not need no, to write to feel fulfilled. No, um, no. He has come into writing and have found himself a place, you guys were speaking about how he can afford his incredible house and his lifestyle on writing. Um, and I think he is grateful for the things that writing has allowed him to do and not writing himself. Writing to him is haunting. The, the prospect of having to write a book to him is not a pleasurable one. Um, it comes with expectations. It comes with the possibility of failure. It comes with losing his status. It comes with gambling the things that he has been lucky enough to have gotten with a book that he believes to be mediocre. Um, so, yeah. Those are very really different characters. I don't think he would have written about his parents' divorce.
2: To compare it to another movie, what is interesting to me is... So, I forget when exactly we covered it. I, I, time doesn't make sense for me anymore. I can't tell you when anything took place. But we recently covered Ruby Sparks on, mm. the, um, on the podcast. Ruby Sparks, you know, it's the Paul Dano, um, Zoe Kazan film. Um, and the, like... Paul Dano's character is this child-like prodigy who wrote like one of everyone's like favorite books or whatever when he was like, I don't know, sixteen or some shit. Uh, and then like the entire like you know at the beginning of the film, it's all about you know everyone's just like, when are you going to write your next book? When are you going to write your next book? And he's like standoffish about it. He's anxious. He doesn't know. Like he feels like a fuck up because everyone's expecting him to do make this another another make this other. Think about you a know,
1: neurotic Paul Dano
2: just <laughs> i know crazy yeah um you know and everyone's like anxious for him to write the next great work or whatever the fuck in his life and he's younger and like at the point then his life is very much occupied by writing and that anxiety of what's the next thing with jepp it's so yeah it's this very interesting it's almost like you wouldn't be surprised if he actually just like never really wanted to write in the first place. He just did it, like he like his maybe like you wouldn't be surprised that his main passion in life isn't like working, isn't anything related to a career, but it's just living life. It's just like being part of culture and uh you know social events and things like you would you like you almost think that his you know his <coughs> big bush in life is to schmooze. He loves schmoozing. Um, but I think, you know, obviously he's exploring what do I actually want to do and is, is the rest of my life, should it be about love? Should it be about, you know, should I start writing again? Should I become more religious? All these kind of things. Um, and so it's very interesting to see, you know, cause it's usually, I I feel like most artists in films are anxious about something. Just like, okay, what? what's next? What's, you know... I, I, my art, I need to preserve my art, I need to preserve my craft, and he's very much just like, ah, I don't know, I might write sometime. And mm-hmm. even at his most, like, existential moments, I still wouldn't describe him as anxious. You know, I, I would maybe d- distraught, maybe, but not, like, he is not you know he's not like really worried about what or like he's like in the moment just kind of like shaking or freaking out he's just more of just this very more generalized and bigger question of ah what now um instead of just this i have to do this and i have to do that i have to do this he's like i don't even i don't even know where to start um and to kind of also go back to like how you know the role of art in the film? I think the most devi- devastating and awe inspiring sequences for me in the film is when he goes to the um exhibition of all of the dude taking photos of his entire life.
3: I love that, is my favorite scene. That other piece was my favorite piece of dialogue, but that scene is just so gorgeous. Not only, I think there's a very formulaic um approach to using that particular exhibition to reflect on someone aging i will give you that but it is so beautifully shot That's oh the my thing. god, That's the thing. that is the scene i most vividly remember watching it in the cinema for the first time because i it was one of those moments i was just holding my breath with the camera traveling and the face of this man just opposed to the face of this kid who's turning into a man And the light is beautiful. And the music is beautiful. The score for the film is just beautiful. Um, Ah, I love that scene. I just, yeah, I'm glad you brought it up.
2: Yeah, it's definitely, yeah, like, when I first was, like, when I first understood what the, the exhibition was, I started rolling my eyes. And then as the scene kept continuing, I'm, like, and, you know, and just his reactions and... How much time it takes. It's such a patient scene. It doesn't move on. Like, you would think it would cut from, like, you could see a different film of it just doing, like, these rapid cuts of each little photo and just, like, you know, showing, like, just showing this almost, like, montage of all the photos and all these different sequences and just keep cutting, 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 cutting. But it, like the camera is so patient and it takes so much time just kind of looking at each individual photo, or not each individual photo, but like the photos as a group. And it kind of lets the audience train their eyes on what, you know, like on one photo over the other. It doesn't tell you which photo to focus on. Um, it lets the audience draw what it, it lets. It lets the photos draw the audience's interest rather than the camera mm-hmm. picking one and being like, look at this one. It's very, it, does it's feel, very, it feels immersive in that way. Yeah. Very immersive. Yeah.
3: And I also think that in a way that it is very clever, despite being slightly on the nose, it adds tangibility to something that is intangible,
0: mm. which
3: every single photo is a day. And when you see it like that and you realize how many days you have lived and how many memories you will have lost, and it, it gives the idea of time a tangible notion which is everything someone could argue Jap was looking for, understanding the time that he has lived and how much time he has ahead, and the impact he has made and the lives that he may or may not have touched and more egotistic, the, the, the impact that he has had and how he belongs in this world, how he exists in this world. So I think it's a very be- it's a very beautiful way of putting something that was only in his mind and transforming into something that is physical and, and in that structure in particular that is a, is a cyclical structure he's in a mini coliseum of sorts and it, it it does grant it this cyclic cyclical idea of life of beginnings and ends and yeah, every time I watch that, I, I'm really moved. I, I think about every single day in my life that I will not have a single memory of, of all the little mundane things that I've done and people that I have met as a kid and I'll never remember and the interactions. and Yeah, it's very beautiful. Mm. Mm.
1: Yeah, because, you know, it's it, it, I guess I, I could read it like the memories and thoughts of the moment jeb has that 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 is the uh the purpose of an existence it's not so much what you create but it's the memories that you hold no matter how long those those memories last with with you i, I think because that that's just that's, that's enough <laughs> you don't have to you don't have to put something into the world in order to to feel fulfilled at least that's you know maybe that's not what jeb would feel but i think that's one way to look at at the the movie as a whole, I think.
3: When I was younger, I was very obsessed with the idea of legacy, and I still am at some point. I would love to Mm. write a book. Mm. I would love to believe that someone, after I'm gone, Mm. will stumble Mm. into something I have written or something that I thought. I think there's something beautiful in it, Um, especially as someone who, much like Jeff, does not want kids. But as I as you go through life, and once again, I'm, I'm very, I'm speaking like I am literally 86, but <laughs> I think there's comfort in feeling content. I talk about this with my friends a lot, especially after I have like a glass of wine. I keep talking about being content, mm. which is m- much more what I seek now. I would love to have a life where I had lived beautiful moments with people who I love and uh, that I was healthy and I was warm and I had a bed and I got to do what I loved. And once a year I went to Venice and there's such beauty in this. Uh, and I try to think about it every time I become obsessed, scrolling Twitter, seeing other people's achievements and thinking of how small of a grain of a person I am. Um, which I don't do it as much anymore thank God but right, right it's very easy to fall prey to that to that trap of wanting more wanting to leave a legacy of wanting to be someone of wanting to to understand that you have made a difference in the world when at the end of the day you just oh I'm gonna sound like a, a bumper sticker but you want the world to have made a difference on you you want to become <laughs> someone with the world but yeah oh man, you got me I'm recording this podcast about this film the first week of the year and I'm sounding <laughs> like Fucking cheap Confucius or something. I promise I'm not always like
1: that. Oh, we, whenever, we, you're, whenever you're on this pod, we always get you to this place. Like, what is this? <laughs>
3: um, it's because you got me talking about two films that I not only love, but, but The Broken Circle Breakdown is the film I watch and I need to cry. So it makes yeah, me right, think about right. family and love and life. And here mm-hmm. I'm talking about existence and I know. <laughs> aging. Uh, why can't we talk about, like, the shame Face Off didn't come up in the 2010s? Next time we should talk about like I don't know, I think you've done pop star, now so oh, No, we have not. We
1: have not. We have not. You haven't. Popstar. Yeah, yeah. 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 I, mean, uh,
0: that, I mean
2: that 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 one. I've that. never seen it's it. I've only seen <laughs> clips. <clears> the <throat>
3: personal
2: fave. You guys, fave. yeah.
3: You know oh what? You guys gosh. need to bring me back to talk about that film, which okay. I'm obsessed okay. with. Let's, let's do it. And let's I will. I will, yeah. I will not become like a cheap Gandhi talking about <laughs> it.
2: <laughs> so cool. So cool. I mean, oh my gosh. But I was. That's like. So, I was
3: exactly like, this once when we, we
1: did... start getting into the merch game, we're gonna have cheap Gandhi and then
2: Rafa's his face. No, no, right no. no. Here. <laughs> and um, a glass
3: of wine. <laughs> Bumper sticker Gandhi. Bumper stick, yeah. Yeah.
2: <laughs> uh, Dollar I was store exactly, I was probably even more schmaltzy in our Faces Places episode where I was just talking about mm. art, man. It inspires everything. I love art. And I was like, yeah, I was basically almost crying saying how important art is. It's so funny. Here um, I am
3: talking um, all these cheesy things and then criticizing Sammy Fableman. <laughs> how much of a right. I, how much of a hypocrite am I? Um, and and, we're I, and all I and I
1: well and I do wonder in that regard. Um, oh no! I, and by the way, we're gonna also develop a a a, a shirt and it's you and Valerie Ann Hopper's face, and it's just gonna be like you two crying. Like it's just gonna That's be like right. weeping. Yeah. Um. i I, I'm, I have so many ideas, but I wonder if that the idea of like how i might respond to the fablemans and your response to um uh the great beauty you know cuz i saw the fablemans at a press screening Humble brag, I right know, um and, and it's like a large crowd and um and everyone and it was very warmly received obviously um uh. i've you know clearly a, like a lifelong uh spielberg fan and i'm so familiar with his work um while it's the opposite was sorrentino and you know it's like they're despite the core of the movie being about our relationship to art and our legacies and how the people around us um encourage our our creative output you know i it's I, i think i'm just like so used to like what he's trying to do and and uh and everyone knows that he's he has his own perth- personal mytholo- mythology that he's trying to uphold but i guess like where sorrentino i'm just unfamiliar and i wonder if that i don't know if that played into but i, I like the movies
3: i think you guys should watch lovito um mm. but also watch more sorrentino because then you kind of start to understand where this place is within his filmography it is by far my favorite of his um but it's an interesting progression and exploration of thematic, um, of recording themes in his filmography, and it's just so beautiful. That I uh, like with the broken circle breakdown. This is one of those songs that I can find, if yeah, virtually no flaws with it. I think mm. it's just lovely.
2: I I'm I'm definitely glad, like. <clears throat> Like, just even us, this inspiring, this conversation, I'm just like, I am really, I do appreciate that it exists and that it was made and that it had, like, and it had, like, really, I love where the film takes us in the sense of what it's trying, of, like, the grander ideas of what it's trying to explore, but also, like, literally where it takes us. I mean, hmm. it is at some point, I and I don't want to totally relegate it to like i almost kind of called it travel porn um and i'm not saying it totally is but there are moments where and and i'm not saying that in a bad way i mean i think like a lot of um like the before trilogy can also be travel porn um Hmm. in the sense of you're just you know it's a lot you know just like walking down the streets and just like kind of giving a good getting a good idea of um you know the place you're at and like the cobblestone uh you know the cobblestone uh you know streets and the amazing architecture and the sunlight so it's like i'm not i don't necessarily say that in a negative way but it does mm. something it does something that comes to mind when watching stuff like this and i appreciate it for that and you know of course the sequence of them going to the uh to all the art uh or not the art but like the sculptures and paintings um at night with the key with the doorman uh the master of keys i'll call him um and that's i mean i i think the choice of having it take place at night with so much shadow and darkness is the thing that makes it special um mm-hmm. otherwise it would just be them just like looking at shit um but i mean it's really i mean and i, I think it's the lack of sound and it's like use of negative space um I don't know. It it feels like it does feel like all of the air has been sucked out of the room when you're when you look at this one like amazing sculpture or this you know awe-inspiring painting. You feel you know it feels uh, very um, spiritual, more spiritual than any of the religious stuff, in my opinion. Um, So I I I think those moments are what like makes me like I'm really glad I'm watching this, Um, even though if I don't really enjoy the movie too much uh just because of the second half of it makes kind of like it loses my interest but i think there are just these like you know this i already mentioned the stuff at the parties um and i think some of the character dynamics are really interesting um and i think the central performance is really great um i don't i'm kind of surprised this feels like something he would be nominated for an oscar i I was
1: thinking that too where it's just like um but i I think it's 'Cause like Sorrentino hasn't been making movies for too long, I think. Um and I wonder if like Sorrentino and Sorvillo had a longer collaboration. I mean, hey, in a few episodes we're gonna be doing uh Pain and Glory, where it's sort of like they're a little bit of a Banderas and Almondovar where it's like, hey, like, let's let's honor uh Servillo with this film, where it's like in like a decade, like, you know, you know what I mean? Like where it's like maybe not right now but like a legacy nomination um, but I agree where it's like this does feel like something that that would uh, click with voters
3: by the time that The Great Beauty came out they were working together I think 2001 was the first time they worked together but someone might fact check me and say I'm wrong but I think it is mm-hmm. um, but I don't think it's only Servillo's work with Sorrentino he is a thespian he's a massive theater actor he has mm. been I think it's just, yeah, I think it's just one of those things that is very hard to get nominations in acting categories for um, performances that have been in international films. I think when Antonio Banderas, with Almodovar being such a big name, that's what helps. Sorrentino is not nearly ranked near Almodovar in in popularity, not only Mm -hmm. popularity, Mm -hmm. but being known within American voters who ultimately decide who gets nominated for an Oscar. Um, Almodovar is um, a much more accessible entry point for someone to be nominated, but you have performances that have been outstanding in films uh, international films that have not been nominated because it's just a, definitely a tough yeah. category to crack and i guess the exception to the, the rule is like
1: emmanuel Riva for more but that was just that such was a, just a surprise hit with voters, with voters,
3: that, voters. that fernando montenegro got nominated for central station yeah and lost to win a poacher in shakespeare in love Okay. That's true, this, yeah, is, that's like, true. Yeah. this is my yeah. biggest upset in the history of the Oscars. I remember that night. <laughs> I, I wanna cry every time I think about it, but <laughs> it's the' it's, it's very rare that they slip mm-hmm. something like exactly a or yeah. yeah. Central station, mm-hmm. which has been a sudden unexpected hit revolt mm-hmm. absolutely yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and it's yeah, and we I think it was on our episode on Ida that we were thinking about how and especially with this current oscar race race, that it's that we are expecting at least one nomination for um a threat in best international feature to get into best director um and and as we say with servilo i think you could also say for sorrentino that that he just seems right for for that um for like a fifth slot but it was also um this year was I think it was a uh, well, it was a F- Alfonso Coronant. I think he had that locked up. But
3: I hope that we get to see Servilio as good as he was in this again. Yeah. Um, yeah. in a film that gets Oscar traction. But at the end of the day, it's like, yeah, there are so many incredible performances that didn't get the lotos that mm-hmm. they deserved, mm-hmm. and and then we get to the end of the day to that conversation about does it matter?
1: Yeah. 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 I mean, you know, it's like that's that's always going to be the Tug of war with the academy, right? Where it's just like there's there's so much politicking that goes on, and and what does and doesn't get in is always gonna have a reason for it, but nonetheless is upsetting. That's actually a pretty good transition into um, what else was nominated. Uh, let's go and look at the great beauty, beauty. Yeah, what are you? I, I know exactly. we've already alluded to broken circle breakdown, which we've of course discussed. Uh, uh, a few years ago. Um uh The Hunt by Tom Vinterberg. I mean we already mentioned that one. It's so good. It's, so good. It's one of those where it's like I saw I think I saw it, um during lockdown. I forget the I, I don't even the reason should even I I think I I I'd always liked Vinterberg's movies and it's like that one I saw was streaming and it was just like wow. It's just like such a gripping thriller and like mads Mikkelsen is unreal in it um people were upset
3: in the screening i've seen like in the fest, people were legit did you see that at the same fest that
1: you best. saw this yeah, that, that yeah. Fa- yeah. yeah
3: real film festival 2013
1: oh Vers- perhaps
3: the best <laughs> festival i've ever been to in my life um <laughs> so cool. programming so cool. wise yeah they had a retrospective on fritz lang and mm. Paul Schrader oh, wow. was in attendance wow. because the canyons was playing um, yeah, anyway, yeah, 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 yeah such a good festival, but I remember people being legitimately upset, like wanting condemnation, wanting someone to burn in a cross, and <laughs> the moral the discussions around a film. I was really surprised with how moved and how invested people were in watching this even in like a cinema audience. Hmm. Mm. yeah, that's so good. I need um, to watch it. it's um, been yeah. years since I've seen it,
1: yeah. Uh and another than one that we have is uh the missing picture from Rithi Pana, uh in Cambodia. Anyone seen that one? Clay Rohn directed it. Uh Oh god. Yeah. <laughs> um and Omer from Hani Abu Assad in Palestine. Um it was uh, Viola Davis and Ewan McGregor presenting this year. Very like you know, non- no nonsense. Just like get to the nominees. No. Oh wait, Viola and, and Ewan. Yeah, that's a pretty cool. I pair. like that combo. Um, uh, and yeah, let's move on to favorite scene now. Anyone would like to go first? close yours?
3: I think my favorite scene. I I love the the photo, the exhibition, um the photographic exhibition is the scene that I love, but I also love the scene when they um, wake up in bed and she's naked and she said, I'm glad we do make love. Mm-hmm. And it's just a lovely little scene. Um, yeah, I mm-hmm. think those two would be my favorite. I like the conversation that he has with... Um, what's the name of his best friend? I forgot. But when they're in a the room and he comes up and he talks about a place like I don't want to do it and it's such a nice it's a bit like Seinfeld. I feel like he's <laughs> a bit like Seinfeld and his friends like poor George. Um <laughs> I like the dynamics and I think it's so beautifully lit and I think the relationship between the two is very lovely.
1: Yeah that's yeah. funny. Yeah that's yeah.
0: funny. Jeff c'è questa casa di Ancona che non è tanto piccola che lo vuole veramente un libro intervista su di te. Un altro libre intervista mamma mia ormai siamo un popolo di intervistati Ma non li senti, come dico sempre, come dico sempre a chi? Lascia stare. A voi, sì sincero, ma insomma, chi se lo compra un libro che si intitola Visione e revisione, la galassia di Geppogampardelli? Ma è un titolo serio. E in questo paese, purtroppo, per farsi prendere sul serio, bisogna prendersi sul serio, Geppogampardelli. Roma, ma che gli raccontiamo? Io ho scritto un solo romanzo 40 anni fa, che non si trova neppure nelle librerie. Ma che cazzo dici che era un capolavoro assoluto all'apparato umano? Che vinse pure il cosol, che vinse il. O oh, il bancarello, hai vinto il bancare, eh, bancarella, no? no capito? Ma sei tanto caro, eh? non lasciamo perdere. No, no che lasciamo perdere. La... Sarebbe troppo preso. No, un non so. possiamo lasciar perdere. No, no, perché così mi metti in difficoltà. Perché io avrei firmato, avrei preso pure un anticipo. Quanto hai preso? 1500 ridaglieli. Ma come ti vedo che... io? Ma maggiorno, no, maggiorno. No, no, no. A proposito, eh. ho parlato con quelli del teatro, eh. E lo danno per tre sere. Ma, ma la luce ha carico tua. Ma chi se ne frega? Certo, questa è una grande notizia, eh. grandissima notizia. Grazie. A far l'amore comincia tu. A far l'amore comincia tu. A far l'amore, a comincia. Ah, quello di Ivan,
1: I can go. I can go. Yeah, Listener, can go. he's yeah. thinking. Okay. Yeah, right. You're, <laughs> you're, you're, you're contemplative. You're contemplative. Uh, uh, I will say I will the. Say, uh, yeah. I'll, you know, I'll, I'll go with I'll the uh, exhibition the, uh, sequence, uh, sequence uh, as as you, as, as you mentioned. Which one? Uh, the, which photo one. one. The, the photo one. The photo one. Yeah. 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 yeah.
3: La ragazzina hai visto piangeva.
0: Ma che piangeva? Che stai dicendo? Una ragazzina guadagna i milioni. Scusa un momento. Ciao Stefano. Ciao Jeff. Catering è molto peggiorato, Roma è molto peggiorata. Uh, in maniera verticale. Ma la borsa ce l'hai sempre con te. Sempre. ¿Qué te va? È e amico delle principesse.
3: When they're when they're dancing, um, we know speak Americano, that's pretty great. When the music is like that remix is just bombing and they're in their yeah. party and yeah. it's very energetic. I yeah. quite like that as well. Is that
2: the first is that the party? first party? Yeah, and the
3: opening. Yeah, that's party. my, yeah. That's, that's,
2: my, my that's my favorite. That's my favorite. Okay. that's when I'm like I mean it doesn't help I mean it doesn't hurt that there are a lot of gorgeous people in that. Um Yeah. Yeah. But I do but I I love I don't know. The joy, the music's great, um I don't know. It has so much energy and so much. It's mm-hmm. so electric and. It's so cool, too. I mean, I don't know. Like, the shot of him just, like, smoking um, a cigarette as, like, the camera's coming down while everyone else is dancing. He's in the middle of the party. Just, mm-hmm. like. I don't know, man. That's pretty fucking dope. Uh,
0: I. It. It. <laughs> We'll <laughs>
1: hacer una pregunta
3: I'm gonna send you a DVD for Loto. I can have like, you need to be watching I know, that. I know, I
2: know. It's on Canopy, um, I'm seeing which rules. Yeah, it's on Canopy. I'll, I'll watch it. But it is, but yeah, I mean, also, I don't know. There's a lot of great little character moments in that. It's also filled with just kind of like this. That's when the ensemble <laughs> has, like, is like an ensemble. I mean, I think <clears> that's when. It kind of starts dwindling mm-hmm. down, um, especially like the midpoint. But yeah, that's when it when all everyone
1: feels... is in one location, it feels like a unit. Yeah.
2: Well, I think it also yeah. it does a great job of it, like basically letting you know why he has not been writing. And so when he mm-hmm. talks about Rome as a as a place for wasting time and you know being you know uh, and not having focus on doing anything, I think it, that kind of feels like a very you know like a it's not really like a, it's kind of like a bizarre thing to say sometimes because you're just like, well, you have to do something, but so it's kind of one of those concepts that are so kind of, uh, not like it has no, it's not really tactile that you kind of have to really explain. Like, what do you mean by that? And, and the, once you see that part, you're like, Oh, no wonder no one gets any shit done. This is awesome. Like no one, like no wonder people aren't like doing like, aren't like having like insane careers or whatever. Like, it's all very just like having fun. Mm-hmm. Um, how can you and,
1: concentrate if there's a party every night? If you're attending right. a party, or if there's a and, party near you, like
2: and we don't we, we we don't really also have time. But I do. It is interesting how kind of maybe anti-capitalist this is. Within, it's in the sense, in the sense of how, especially in like you know America, you know, capitalist societies in general, we're just like how career, your career makes all of you you're the way you make money it's mm. the, the thing that defines you it's your life yeah, but goal. if you have
3: money if you it's have true, like, yeah, it's can true. You imagine it's how true. incredible you'd be like a an heir i thought about this a lot of my life like i think i would be so dumb like right. purposely right. dumb i don't think i would have that much curiosity i don't right. think i'd be hustling right. that much if no. someone just put me in a yacht i probably would be reading is watching some films but but even but Life even like the, the, so
2: dude, the dude the dude who um the like the husband of like the widow or who's like um who, of elsa or whatever the character mm-hmm. was name. yeah it's even elsa. he like yeah he doesn't like he's just chilling with his girlfriend like he's his we don't know what his job is he's just like hanging out like and i, I think and i know content. that's like yeah i think that's like italy in general in the sense of like it's a lot of you know, it, they they take they prioritize the relaxation, um, mm-hmm. which is sounds sounds nice. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's interesting it spe- how if, un- yeah, and, and yeah. of
1: course, like it's Jep as as um, someone who who whose void is without a family and without a. And this would be a different shape of a movie if if it were. If he was mourning the loss of a, I mean, kind of, but he was. If he was mourning the loss of a wife, or, or if he, or if they never had kids, then it would have a different shape too. But it's just, it's just him.
3: Yeah, I could talk about this one forever, much like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the broken circle breakdown. Yeah. But yeah, it's just wonderful to think that Sorrentino has created a film that is so electric while at the same time being so contemplative. Yeah. It's a mm-hmm. very hard thing to do.
1: And you know, what I just
3: realized Clay brought up uh,
1: Ruby Sparks earlier Ruby Sparks and, and Paul Dano. Paul Dano, Dano's, uh, Dano's in youth. And in the right. Right. Oh, oh, right. Right. Yeah. Oh, and, of course, oh, oh, and my God, oh, God, oh my God, Yeah, fantastic. Fantastic.
3: One of his yeah. best One performances, best I think.
1: Um, um, Rafa, thank you so Raifa. much for being here. This has been absolutely. Yeah.
3: No. Thank you. Yeah. It has been yeah. lovely. Please yes. call yes. me back to talk about Popstar. <laughs> we, will we will call you back tomorrow,
1: tomorrow to talk about Popstar. Because Clay is going to love, love, love it. it. It's, it's one of the great, one artifacts great artifacts that, that, found that found its way into the sight and sound this year. Sound um, um, where can I To really be find fair, really
3: find Sorry, but to be fair, Loro and Popstar would be a banging double bill.
1: (laughs) Actually, (laughs) I'll have to think about that. I'll have to think about that. That that. does sound interesting. (laughs) Yeah, where can everybody find you? What do you have coming up? This will be out at, well, this week, actually. Because we're going, yeah.
3: Well, you can find me at Hafiz R-A-F-I-E-W-S, pretty much everywhere. Um, my portfolio is dot com, and I will hopefully be writing quite a bit in January. I'm covering Sundance the next couple of weeks, Rotterdam nice. after that, which would be nice. <laughs> and yeah, just looking forward to writing a lot, watching a lot of great films in 2023, and hopefully not having that much time available to think about life and existence and dying mm. and aging. No. But yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Fabulous. Fabulous. Um. I have writing on film at the Boston Hassle and this film is streaming on HBO max in the States and the criterion channel. Uh, it's also in the Criterion. it's also on as a criterion release. Um, I think it's the only film that we're covering that, Oh, well, I mean, I guess parasite too, uh, and Roma too. That's right. Uh, but next week we have son of Saul. Uh, we're going to have a lighter, easier time with that one uh, with,
3: <laughs> with, was, Clay what, if you didn't like the second half of The Great Beauty I cannot wait to hear what you talk about Son of Song
1: <laughs> I haven't it's seen a, it. it it's a lot but you know it's, you don't uh, say it's,
2: it's a lot it's a lot
1: it's not oh, not wow. chill but no? Connor okay. O'Donnell will be here from the film stage and the B-Side podcast uh, for that one
2: um everyone follow the podcast twitter account ett pod you could follow me at birds of clay on twitter and on letterboxd you could follow me on instagram at mr clay williams you could send us an email at exiting through the 2010s at gmail.com please remember to rate review subscribe on any podcast platform you listen to us on to we greatly appreciate it share us with a friend retweet run on run in the middle of the street do five somersaults do a handstand if you're ever in
1: italy just you know throw your Italian. Hat and-
2: right yeah Yeah, yeah. throw you know Uh, splash some uh red wine onto someone's face and say hey go listen to exiting through 2010 what's
1: the english what's the italian translation to
2: to all right we gotta end this fucking podcast um (laughs) thank you all so much for listening and as always we'll catch you next time on exiting through the 2010s